And I thought there was no better way to conclude till death do us part with my till death do my not part. <laughs> that made no sense not right there, really. but I just loved it. <laughs> Y'all give it up for my bride, Lindsay, as she's here with us. <laughs> so welcome, babe. Glad Thanks. you're here. Good morning. Glad um, to be here. I've been hearing a lot of people say, Pastor Josh, man, you, you're, you're giving some good stuff, but we like a woman's perspective. And so you're going to get a woman's perspective today, and uh, you're going to hear some stuff. Um, you're going to hear some stuff today. But uh, this series has all been about us uh, trying to help you have great, thriving relationships, whether you're married or single or single again or divorced. But uh, all these principles that we've been sharing over the past three weeks have just been hopefully encouraging to you. In week one, we talked about uh, the, the laws of marriage, the, the laws of love, and talked about the pursuit and the priorities and the importance of us uh, having partnership and purity. And you can go back and look at the four laws of marriage. Uh, week two, Pastor Bubba shared uh, a message titled uh, Love That Lasts. Talked about the difference between covenant and contract and really how do we go into marriage as a covenant. Last week, I did a message, part three, called Love in Motion. We looked at chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, and we looked at love is kind and love is patient, and uh, love doesn't keep record of wrong. How many of you are looking at 1 Corinthians 13 a little differently now? Um, and so today, we are wrapping up this series, and the title of today's message is, you ready? It's not you, it's me. Look at somebody next to you, tell them, it's not you, it's me. Come on, tell them, tell them, it's not you, it's me. Now look at, the, look at your second choice, the person you didn't want to say that to him and say, it's you, not me. <laughs> Tell him, it's really, it's you. <laughs> it's you, it's not me. So we want to help you have great marriages, and in order for your marriage to work, we realize it's going to take some work. But before we get into this marriage, I thought one of the great things we can do to wrap up this series was to honor those in our house that have lasted the long haul so far. So I want to do a survey and find out who here has been married the longest. So if you've been married for more than five years, five years, shoot your hand up. More than five years, shoot them up. Okay. Uh, ten, no, keep them up. 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 Ten. Keep them up. If you've been married for ten or longer, keep them up. Fifteen or longer, keep them up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Twenty. 25, 30, 35, 40. How long y'all been married? Oh, wait, there. Wait, how, okay, how long y'all been married? How long? 38. You can put it down. They've been married how long? 50 years! In honor of you being the longest married couple here, we're going we're gonna to treat you guys to dinner, a date on us, on the church. We're going to bless y'all. You're welcome. McDonald's on us. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It'll be nice. It'll be nice. So we'll, congratulations, 50 years. Y'all need to be up here. Um, <laughs> Communicating. And to all those that, are, that have, were in the 40s, how many are in the 40s? 40s plus. 40s plus. Raise your hand. You're 40 plus. Come on. So exciting. Uh, listen, if you are newly married or within the last 10 years, you should have looked at those people who are 40 plus and you need to go, I got some questions for you. Because um, how many know that's a rarity around these days? Is a marriage that lasts. So congratulations to all those. And today we're looking at um, really not only just how to have a marriage that lasts, but how do we... Um, how do we make, what are the commitments that we've got to make in marriage to make it last? And so we're going to look at two commitments. If you got your note cards, wave them at me just so I can see that everybody's got some note cards. Okay. 
If you're new here, we are a note-taking church. We love for you to, this is a way for you to stay engaged in the message. We got note binders that are in the, at guest services that are absolutely free. You can grab one on your way out if you're new. Um, they're our gift to you, and uh, you keep track of your notes. And uh, so we love taking notes and, and uh, going back over these notes if you need to go and preach your, this message to your husband again. Um, no, I'm joking. <laughs> so we're going to look at today's kind of theme verse for this message, and uh, it's in Philippians chapter two, and it says this. It says, everyone looks out for his own interest, but not those of, everybody finish those two words? Not those of Jesus Christ. Everyone looks out for their own interests. How many of you would agree with that statement? Everybody looks out for their own. It's all about me. It's all about my, it's all about I. I'm not going to sing a song, but it's all about it. And uh, that is true. In our culture, everything is self-absorbed, self-obsessed. If it makes me happy, YOLO, you only live once. It's all about me and what I want. The only thing is, is that when you give your life to Christ and you look all throughout scripture, Jesus, what the one, the one thing that Jesus was most known for was not about himself. Um, he was all about serving others. He came not to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. And he's saying, listen, everybody looks out for their own interests, but really those who love Jesus, those who are of Jesus, they don't live that way. And I think this is one of the greatest driving principles for us in relationships um, is that we put the other one ahead of ourselves. We are committed to serve more than anything else. And so we're going to talk today about what it is to be, um, to be servants. Because real true love is all about giving, not about getting. Um, it is the call of duty that as, as Christians, our duty is to serve others above ourselves. I like to call it a duty call. That's a little bit different than the other one. Um, <laughs> you'll get there in a little bit later. <laughs> So, uh, if you want to just write down a little side note, the greatest relationship is when two servants are in love. And I'm going to tell you right now, the worst relationship is when two masters are in love. When two selfish people that want their own way, that makes for the greatest or the worst relationships. But the greatest relationships are when two servants are in love with one another. And so we're going to dive in today about these kind of two essentials. Uh, I love what Timothy Keller, he's a pastor and writes a lot of books. And um, there's a book that he wrote on marriage. And he said this, you don't fall in love, you commit to it. Come on, isn't that true? You don't fall in love, you commit to it. And, and so we're going to make some commitments today uh, to end this series on how do we do till death do us part? What's that commitment that God's called us? I'm going to just give you two. Lindsay and I are, are going to talk about these two. Um, there's a lot more, but I think if you can focus in on these two, you're good. And the first one is this. If you want to take some notes, number one is co- I'm going to commit to meeting my spouse's needs. I'm going to commit to meeting my spouse's needs. So we're going to talk today. Lindsay's going to help me. We're going to share the four needs of a man and the four needs of a woman. I'm going to talk about the four needs of a woman uh, because I'm going to talk to all of our men about how we meet that. Lindsay's going to talk about the four needs of man uh, to the women in here on how you can help meet that. We're going to look at these different needs because they are different. They're different needs. So, ladies, I just want to any guy who are the ladies in the house? Come on, ladies, y'all in the house. Okay, ladies, listen. So when I bring up my points, I need you to back me up here. Okay, I need some support because I'm going to be talking to your man. So I need you, I need your support, and I need you to shout me down, okay? So here is the number one need of a woman. It, I call it the mega need. The mega need of a woman. The number one need of a woman is security. Amen. Security. Come on, ladies, shout me down on this one, all right? Security. Um, <laughs> that's an inside joke for those that, okay. 
<clears throat> now, here's the deal about security. The reason that women are insecure is because they don't feel secure. I know, I just went real deep there, okay? <laughs> the reason why women are insecure is because they don't feel secure. And one of the roles that we play as men in the relationship is to help bring security to our women. Um, and, and that's not just in um, physical, but one of the big areas that we do bring security, of course, is physical security. We are men, we are men. We, when, when you're in bed and you hear something downstairs or you hear a loud noise, the man is the one that's supposed to jump up out of bed and be like, I got this baby. You know, he goes into warrior mode. Um, maybe your wife does. I don't know. I mean, she might be, she might be a bad mamma jamma, but, um, normally the man is the one who jumps into that mode and grabs his gun or grabs his knife or nunchuck skills or whatever, whatever he's got. And he, he, he's the one that jumps into that mode. Someone's, you know, making fun of your wife or someone's doing something. You step in and you want to defend your wife. You want to defend your kids, your daughters, your sons. Like as men, we want to, physical security is a big deal for us. Some of you are packing. Um, and so this is the need that we have, uh, or the need that women have that us as men meet. But I just wrote down a couple things when it comes to um, security that we also are called to meet to help women feel secure. This is how we as men, so guys, you need to be taking notes on these. This is how as we as men help women feel secure. Number one, sacrifice. Sacrifice is a big deal. When I sacrifice what I want for what Lindsay wants, that brings her security. When I'm willing to sacrifice the things that I want so that I can put her needs above my own, that brings security. Another, another one, big one, faithfulness. Faithfulness brings security. And I'll talk to all the single ladies in this house. Listen, if your guy that you got was a player before you, he'll be a player after you. Amen. All right? He, if, he, if he can't be faithful to a woman, he ain't, why in the world do you think he's going to be faithful to you? Uh, you, you want faithfulness is a huge deal in not only in marriage, but just in relationship. The ability to, that Le, Lindsay has to trust me. There is no other woman. I am faithful to her no matter what. That brings security. Yes. Yes. All right. I'll let her talk in just a minute. She's going she to get to. I'm building it all up. Oh, yes, she is. All right. Uh, another thing, provision. Men, provision brings security. <clears throat> that as, as men, we do our best to provide for our families. And last but not least is honesty. Come on, ladies. How many know honesty brings security? When a man is lying, do you feel secure? Yeah. When a man is hiding, do you feel secure? Yeah. No. So I know in our relationship, uh, Lindsay's got nothing of mine is off limits to hers. Um, she has access to my phone. She can look through every text. She can look through every message. She can look on my Facebook. She can... She can look through everything. Everything, there's nothing off limits. The mail that comes and that's mine is hers. She can open it. And everything that I have, I'm an open book. Which, by the way, if you live, um, if, you, if you don't have any secrets to hide, then you have nothing to hide. So you should be able to live open. Y'all with me? And so one of the greatest things I can give Lindsay when it comes to security is just I'm an open book. You can have whatever I have. I, I don't have a text message and she goes, who is it? And I'm like, none of your business. I don't do that. Um, because, do I? Mm-mm. Okay. No, I, was, I, was, I, I just laughed in here with my nose and it was okay, really all right, loud. So. <laughs> Sorry. Just making sure. No. But that is, you know, and, and we, we share those things together. So that brings security. So men, if you're hiding something, just want you to know that doesn't bring security to your wife. 
doesn't bring security. You want to bring that. All right, I'm going to let you share number one need of a man. Go ahead. So, yes, a man's number one need is not the obvious. <laughs> so it's actually uh, the R word, which would be respect. So as great as a woman's need for love and security, a, a man's greatest need is respect. So we can turn to Ephesians for, um, we can look to scripture for that, and it does talk about that. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. So God made man and wife, God made marriage, God made each other, and he made us different. So if, so if God designed it, he does have something to say about it. And so it is important that we do respect our husbands. How many of you women have ever been in a disagreement with your husband and you say something and they literally like deflate? Like you can see it in their face or a man will, um, when disrespected, will get mad or he'll completely, has he ever walked away from you while you're talking and you're like, I'm not done? Well, you kind of are because you said something disrespectful. And so um, a man just can't, he just, he doesn't, he stops responding if you've ever noticed any of that. So um, I have two quick examples on this, one personal, one not. Um, last, just last week, I was walking into Walmart, and you kind of never know what to expect when you go to Walmart, right? <laughs> and um, someone was yelling. Like, as we're walking in, I was like, what is going on? And it was just this lady yelling at her husband. And they were older. And now that I think about it, like, I never really heard him say too much. I mean, she was, rah, rah, whatever. And so, you know, like, if you're ever shopping, you accidentally, you don't mean to, you go down the same aisle with sometimes the same people. And boy, it was just, oh, stop it. Rah, rah. Like, she just was going at him, going at him, going at him. And I really, not, again, never heard him say too much. It's because he's probably heard it for so many years and been so disrespected for so many years. Like, why? Why even, you know, talk about it? So that's more of an extreme example, but just definitely don't publicly, you know, even non-publicly disrespect your husband in that way. But a personal example could be recent, could be not, but probably recent. <laughs> um, uh, we were uh, talking recently and uh, a having a disagreement. And what I just said... Just tell them when it was. It was last night. Okay. <laughs> so, every time we talk about marriage, like we're literally like, we were, I said, do you know we're having this conversation about what we're talking about tomorrow? Like, it's this exact serve love thing. It was the exact same thing, and I know it's not a coincidence. But anyway, <laughs> so what I had to say was right. It was right. It was true <laughs> at the moment. He will admit it, but it was the way I said it. And so we were talking, and uh, I said, I was trying, I used what he, He's always said against him, like, hey, if you don't plan something, someone else will plan it for you. If you don't plan your schedule, someone else will plan the schedule for you. If you don't plan it, you'll plan every, your life will dictate it unless you plan it. He said that often, but it was the way I said it. It may have been like, well, if you're not planning something, you know, like I was like using it against him and I knew I was using it against him. And so, yeah, don't do that because... <laughs> Tone. I totally disrespect him. I could have said it in a much more graceful way to get my point across. Instead, I was like doing that and liking it, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Being honest. So, yeah, no marriage is perfect. You're going to mess up. You're not going to do it right. But something we kind of didn't say before is like that's what grace and forgiveness is about yeah. and constantly going back to, hey, I messed up. I, I'm, I'm sorry, and I did. I said, I know I disrespected you by the way I said that. Please forgive me. So always... Um, You're forgiven. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
<laughs> so, but if you, do you want him to lead like a man of God that you want him to, to lead by? Then um, you have to honor him. Sometimes he might not be where you want him to be, but honor him anyway. Honor him regardless of. Speak those words of life and affirmation and respect and he'll rise up to that instead of degrade. I mean, if you're talking to him down here, you have nowhere to go. He has nothing to rise up to. Yeah. So speak honorably to him. Uh, respect is what he wants. And if he does ever make a mistake, I said if, when he makes a mistake, like, you know, women as well, I'm doing that now. And you take it all back. Like, don't take away his decision-making or his decision-making card. Like, he will mess up sometimes, but just... We all will, and um, just allow allow for those things. So. Yeah, and I think whether it's work or if it's sports or if it's home, men will always gravitate to where they feel most respected. So if they feel disrespected at home, don't be surprised at why they work all the time, because they feel more respected at home at work than they do at home. And so understanding that that is a that's a huge need for a man is to feel is to feel respect. And yeah, we. It was, it was legit last night. It was legit. All right, let's go on to number two. Moving <laughs> right along. Number two need of a woman is non-sexual affection. <clears throat> Come on, ladies. Nobody's cheering on. Okay, I can... Listen, I can make it sexual affection if a meant... Okay, so non-sexual affection. Now watch this. Watch this. Song of Solomon. Uh, this is a love chapter. Actually, a love book. Song of Solomon. Um, Solomon is, is sharing how much... He desires and loves his bride, his wife. And he says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes are behind your veil are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats <laughs> descending from Mount Gilead. Your teeth, he's just working his way down. You know, your teeth are like a flock of sheep. <laughs> Just shorn, coming up from the washing. Each had its own twin. Not one of them is alone. This is what he's actually saying. Let me translate. He's saying, you have phenomenal breath, the washing, and you have all your teeth. <laughs> you got them all. That one is missing. Uh, not from Arkansas. So, uh, oh, I'm kidding. I'm, stop. I'm sorry. If you're from Arkansas, I apologize. Um, but this is, this is a... This is an incredible depiction of what a man is to do with a woman. And he encourages her. He's, he's lavishing her with his words. He's affirming her. He's giving her non-sexual affection. He's telling her the things that he loves about her, um, about her body. But also he goes on. You read the rest of the chapter. He not, not only just talks about the outside. He begins to describe who she is and on the inside and what she does. And as men, that is something that's huge for us as men is to continue to do that. And I just wrote this down. If, I'm, if I am always trying to touch her body without making an effort to touch her heart, I'm not serving her. That was good, and no women, amen. So uh, come on, somebody. If I am, I'll say it again. I'm going to give you a chance. If I am always trying to touch her body without making an effort to touch her heart, I'm not serving her. Amen. I was about to say, okay. <laughs> I can touch body. Um, women blossom. Listen, women blossom in praise, but they wilt in criticism. And I'll even say this, they wilt in silence. So most marriages are not where they're supposed to be, not because of abuse, but because of neglect. Mm -hmm. It's not that the fact that they're just verbally abusive, it's the fact that they're verbally silent. 
And us as men understanding that if this is a number two need of a woman is affection, that I need to be on my A game when it comes to the words that I say, the things that I do. And, and you, you, you can give affection, of course, not just with words. You can give it also in body language. You can give it in hugs. I mean, I, I would encourage you. I mean, if you think about it, how busy we are in life, I mean, this happens in us so often. You know, we'll go through a whole week and like, I've barely kissed her. We've, we haven't even really hugged. I mean, really, honestly, we haven't even, I mean, it's like, hey, bye, see you, this. And I mean, it's like, put the kids to bed. You're like, man, I'm exhausted. It's just, it, you're just running at a fast pace. And uh, can I encourage you maybe this week just to, for one minute, hug, one minute. I mean, no, that's awkward, first off, one minute. But just, an, uh, just a longer embrace. Um, you would, you would imagine, I want you to just imagine like a tank that's just getting refilled. And as you're doing that, it's like, and so us as men, filling, figuring out ways to kind of refill that affection tank and the things that we say, because um, I think true romance is when I'm just communicating, I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking about you. So we'll do it often just in text messages throughout the day. I'll get text messages from her, little heart emojis, little kissy face. Um, I can't wait to get off. You know, I'm, I'm ready to be home. It, it fuels my tank to hear that. And I've got to do that with her, though. Because she needs to hear, you're beautiful, just like this is. I, now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the hair's flock of goats. I, you know, I, I don't Thank know if you. I would, I don't know if that would technically win any points. Mm, but, um, negative. you know, I, I, you, we need to be men that are constantly affirming and speaking um, what we love about our spouse. Amen? Yes. All Amen. right. Let's go to number two. Yeah, moving right along is the obvious. So number two of a man's need is sex. <laughs> so yes, let's turn to scripture now. Because <laughs> so, scripture does have something to say about it. Um, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. Amen. And the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband. And the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. So that's in 1 Corinthians. Josh didn't make that one up. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, you got all authority, baby. <laughs> I give you. And just to start off saying, you know, the husband gives authority of his body to his wife. That's not hard for him. Like, you know, it's his need. So it's easy for him to do that. And I think as wives, it's not that, you know, being honest, it's not that if we don't want to, it's that, you know, demands of the day and life and kids and giving and giving, giving, giving all day, not saying that he hasn't done it, but his need, so it's easy for him. So it's not that you, you ever don't want to, it's just that you can sometimes be exhausted and have people hanging on me all day and now you want to hang on me, you know, like, <laughs> when do I get a break? But <laughs> I've never said that before. <laughs> uh, and so going back to the whole premise of what we're talking about today, it isn't about, you know, myself, it's meeting his needs and not becoming a doormat. And I'm not talking about, a, you know, an abuse or anything, but that, um, because I, I want to, you know, like I, I, I'm doing it out of love, not because I have to, um, sometimes you have to do it. I'd have to, but most of the time, you know, like I just, I, I don't want him. I want to serve him and I want to love him well. And I want, um, kind of like if a woman, if, when they feel empty, like if they're not having good conversation with their, their husband, they'll find it somewhere else. And the same with a man. He will look to it in other places. And it's not 
That's what I was trying to say earlier. It's not to do this oh, out of fear, like, oh, I got to do it because he'll, you know, he'll have an affair on me, but out of love, doing it because I love him. And so um, none of our things should be done out of fear. But um, for me, so let's, because let's, it sometimes can be harder, harder to understand this for a woman because it's the man's needs, but like flipping it this way. So think about this for yourself, ladies. If you have gone a few days a week and you haven't had a deep um, conversation with your husband, you kind of feel like you're not in love. Like, and, and then it's the, I don't even feel like I know you right now because we're not having some deeper conversations and it's just in passing. So then why do I want to give that if you're not even you know, meeting my needs? But in the flip side, when we're not meeting, just as we want that emotional um, connection when they're not feeling their needs met sexually, they don't feel in love. So they can become, become this bad cycle. And so again, it's just preferring the other above them, themselves. But as much as we have that emotional need, they have this, this need. And so um, it's, uh, yeah. Um, and for example, how do you practically make this work? You can, it might be awkward sometimes, but every now and then, every few months, or you know, at least have the conversation like, am I meeting your needs? Um, is there something that's not? Um, what's the frequency? You know, like, because they might have an expectation that you might not. You know, so it's just being on the same page and open up that conversation. And um, I know he had talked about that before, but, you know, don't let the kids come in, in the play, into play with that because if, just kind of like I said, if your kids are sleeping in your bed, when are you, you know, making time for him in that way? So um, prefer him above, above that. And so. Yeah, and I think the, the newsflash is like, God loves sex. Hey, he created it. I mean, I, you know, it's like the world has like made the church like we shouldn't be able to talk about it. If they talk about it. We're going to talk about it. And, the, and God loves it. God created it. And I, I honestly believe that Christian God-loving marriages should have the best sex ever. Amen. I'm... You know why? Because, here's why I know. Because sex is a blessing in marriage, but it's a curse everywhere else. Everybody that's in here that's not married, listen to me very closely. Because I've got to speak to this as a pastor. Sex in marriage is a blessing. Sex outside of marriage is a curse. It is. And this is what the Bible, the Bible says, that we've got to honor God in this area. And so we can sit in here and have goosebumps and say we love God and then go live a life that's not honoring to God and then and expect God to bless it. But God can't bless our disobedience. And, and so if you are shacking up with, your, with someone and you don't have a ring on it, you either need to get married or you need to get separated until you can get married because you want to honor God in this. Because here's, here's what I know. If you won't honor God in this area... When you get married, there'll be other areas you won't honor God into. And this isn't, I know this is not popular preaching. Um, because everybody wants to, let's test drive this thing. But there is no test driving in the Bible. You're honoring God with your body. And here's why, because sex is uniting. It is, it is the one physical act that you do that it literally unites yourself to that person and when you break off and you treat it casually, you take a part of them with you. And they take a part of you with them. How many of you want your kids to be sexually pure when they grow up so that they, they, 
Come on, somebody. And how many know it is harder than ever right now in our day and age? But I'm going to tell you, we're going to call our kids to a standard. And we're not going to say, don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex. We're going to say, save yourself for your spouse because there's no greater way to have sex. Come on, somebody. And Because when I, can I be honest? When I grew up in church, they just say, don't have sex, don't have sex, don't think sex, don't have sex, don't have sex. Well, so I was like, so you just hide it. But I'm telling you today, no, God loves sex. God wants you to have sex. He just wants you to have it in your marriage. Come on, somebody. So listen, we'll help you in this, and we'll help you. And I've had to sit down with some premarital counseling people that are living together, and I go, are you having sex? Yes. Then I can't marry you. Stop that. Make it right, and then I'll marry you. Because you, you want to come, and you want to get blessed by God, but you want to do something that's not blessed by God. Y'all with me? I know it's not popular preaching, but I love you. Okay? I want the best for you. I want the best for you. This is where it begins. We've got to honor God in this area. And, and can I say this? And I say this from example. The best thing that I gave Lindsay was I saved myself for Lindsay. And the best gift she ever gave me, she saved herself for me. And you know what? She's never had a better lover. <laughs> Bring it the A game. All right? So that's just one perk. All right? So, all right, let's talk about. Woman's number three need is communication. <laughs> communication. Uh, let's go fast. Communication is the oxygen of marriage. It is the oxygen of marriage. And I know a lot of marriages right now that feel like they're living in outer space because there's no communication. Communication is very limited. And I know men. I know we're not good at long conversations unless it revolves around sports or revolves around a hobby or revolves around work. But we've got to get better at this. And I know I've had to really, really work through this. You know, I would come home and Lindsay would be like, how was work? Good. How was that meeting that you were really preparing for? It was good. And I realized, like, she's asking all these questions because she would like a little bit more. She would, what she would actually like is, I woke up at 623 in the morning. Um, as I awoken, I had to go to the bathroom. And then I went to the bathroom. And then I, you know, I went to the shower. And I got out of the shower. And then I went into my closet. And I was like, what am I going to wear? And I was trying to figure out what I was. I've never done that, by the way. <laughs> she's done that. I'm, I'm like, ah, that looks good. All right. Um, she, but what she's really wanting is she's wanting the details. I'm wanting the highlights. She wants the details. Yet again, coming back to this idea that I'm committed to meeting her need. I'm committing to serve her. So I am committing to making that a big priority. And what I do for a living is talk. And when I get home, the last thing I want to do is talk. I've been meeting with everybody and their problems all day long. And so I, for me, it's, I've really got to work at coming home and not giving my best to everybody else and my leftovers to my family. And I've done that. I've done that. I've, I've given, I'm like, I don't even want to talk about this because I've talked about all their problems. And so what that makes her feel is, well, you value them over you valuing me, which it does. It communicates that. And so learning communication. And so uh, when she stops talking... I know there's something wrong. How many know when a woman stops talking, something's wrong? You're like, it needs to be like a radar, like, whoop, 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 something's wrong. She's not talking. She's supposed to talk. And so I wrote down three reasons why women stop talking. I'm going to give you, this is, this is gold for you, men. This is gold for you. Ready? This is three women's reasons why women don't talk. Number one, they don't feel safe. When they do talk to you, you don't make them feel safe. So they know when I bring this up, he's going to be, he's going to be demeaning to me. He's going to, he's going to, 
He's going to be say hurtful things. And so I just can't even bring this up because he's just going to get angry. He's going to get mad. And so she'll just stop talking. Number two is they're tired of being fixed. Come on, man. How many know we are fixers? That's what I do. I fix things. So when Lindsay brings up a conversation or something that's going on, I'm thinking in my mind as she's talking all the things she needs to do to fix this situation. And I'm ready to unleash all those nuggets of wisdom on her of what she needs to be doing when it comes to this situation. But it's amazing. I start fixing it. She's like, I just wanted to tell you, I didn't need you to fix this. I just need you to tell you. So we've had to devise a system before she goes into a deep conversation with me, she'll have to say, either I need you to fix this, or she'll say, I just need you to listen. Because when she says, I just need you to listen, I switch off that gear, and I just listen. But how many know sometimes, how many guys know the rules change? And you don't even know when the rules change. They just change. How many know, y'all know what I'm talking about? You just, the rules change. So I'm there listening. I'm just listening. And then she's looking at you like, well, you don't got anything to say? I was trying to listen. I don't know what. Can't figure you women out. That is true. Yeah, isn't it, it is, and I don't think we know what we want. Sometimes. <laughs> and then you were saying the details. Like at six twenty-five, I woke up. When I do that, I can hear him. Like, oh my God, finish the sentence, finish the conversation. <laughs> I can hear the angst in his voice. So it's funny. That is true. That is that is true. Um, so I just wrote this down. Men, if you don't, if you won't talk to your wife, the devil will find some man who will. Men, if you don't talk to your wife, the devil will find some man who's going to. And there will be a man out there that will. And he'll listen all day long. And he'll give all this great wisdom. That's what he does. All right, babe, your turn. So a man's third need is companionship. So women, as he was talking about, need face-to-face time and want that. And men want side-by-side time. So they want to do something with you. Um, They don't want to just talk all the time. They want to... And that could be a good time, too, while you're doing something side-by-side to talk, talk if it, you know, is it a good time for that. But um, we, you know, ladies, that you spend all of your time on your kids because you're when, telling them, go to bed, wake up, eat, pick this up, all day, all the time. And so um, they can kind of, number one, it's our job, it's our role as mothers to take care of our children, but then it can become more of a priority over our spouse and so we just get in that mode and getting everything done and you got to see about how someone I mean you have a lot of stuff to see about so it can become he we can put him down on the priority list sometimes just by accident because life takes over and so um, when children or other things become the focal point of marriage that's when it gets into a dangerous place and the way that we can help fix that is um, to remember number one um, before I was a parent I was a spouse I married him before we had kids, and so um, I committed to him. And then when you you spend all this time on your kids, they're leaving. That's what we're doing. We're raising them to leave us. And so when they're gone, yeah, yeah, (laughs) it's the goal. Um, One day, it's scary though how soon it comes, but um, will come. But when they're gone, it'll be just us. And if we focused on all of our kids or all these other things, we won't even know each other anymore when they're gone. And so. and taking that a step further, a way that you can do that is to have fun with him. He, men love adventure. So do things that he loves with them. You don't have to love everything. I'm not saying like if you hate hunting, you don't, you know, don't go hunting, but find something he does love. Like Josh loves CrossFit. So y'all pray, I do too, y'all pray that cold season will be over soon so I can actually go at the times he goes because um, I'm home with Joel during cold season. But 
Um, watch football with them. Go hunting. I don't know. Everybody has different uh, things, but I have to watch football. I have three boys, so it's just always on. <laughs> so I don't have a choice. So I'm, I try to pretend to like it. Every now and then I'll get into it. It's just not too often. But uh, She's like, is that double dribble? No, that's basketball. No, I know <laughs> that much. But I'll say, like, a turnover. Is it apple or cherry? Like, because I'm just bored. So I do that, like, every time it's not funny anymore. Or, like, totally going off the script here. Uh, when he goes to kick the ball, like a field goal, maybe. Yeah, uh-huh. Y'all ever saw Eastman Trump? I'm like, Finkel and Einhorn, Einhorn and Finkel. Or no, laces out. No, I say laces out, laces out, laces out. So, yeah, I just have to make it entertaining because I'm like bored out of my mind. But I have three boys, That's and I have a choice. That's all those in the 90s. So, yeah, yeah sorry. Um, but your man wants adventure, so it might as well be with you. So do something fun with him. That's what he wants. He doesn't Amen. always want to be doing tasks or always talking. So, <laughs> so go. Yeah. All right. Women's number four need is leadership. Leadership. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 23 says, The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church. Not by what? Not by, not by what? Domineering. Domineering but by cherishing. Most men, when they think of leadership, they think of domineering. And honestly, a lot of women, a lot of the women's rights movement of women power is because of men who are domineering. And uh, the truth is a woman would want to be under a man if he would do this more than less than this. If he'd be cherishing, less domineering. God's called us as, as men to be uh, to provide leadership. And that's not to say, by the way, that women can't lead because we have phenomenal women leaders that are in our church here. Some of you are incredible leaders. Um, but God has called us as men to take that mantle. When Adam and Eve sinned, we know Eve sinned first. She gave it to Adam. Adam was right there. He sinned with her. When God showed up in the, in the garden, who did he call for? He called for Adam. He didn't call for Eve. You know why? Because Adam was in charge of the leadership of his family. So God called them to that. And so God's calling us as men to lead well in this. Um, and so I've got to learn just not to always defer questions to mom. My boy's got a million questions. I don't know if your kids have a million questions. And so they're always like, what's for dinner? What's for dinner? I'm like, ask mom, ask mom. What's for, what are we doing here? Ask mom. What are we do? And there's a lot of men that do that. But I've got to learn, I've got to step up to the plate and I've got to, I've got to help in that area, which is, I'm going to share three areas that us as men need to lead in. Already. So guys, if you want to take some notes and women, if you want to take notes for your man, <laughs> it, this is where we've got to lead. Uh, we've got to lead parental spiritual, and financial. There's a lot of other areas, but these are the really big main ones we've got to make sure that as men we lead well in. Parental, um, I've got to step in and I've got to help. Uh, a lot of guys defer discipline, defer everything to the wife. She just does, deals with the kids. I provide, I go to work, you deal with the kids. How many of you know your kids don't need your money, they need their daddy? Come on, somebody. They need daddy. They need daddy to step up. Your daughter needs daddy to date her so she knows what a real man looks like. Your son needs daddy to show him how he treats a woman. They need daddy. And, and by the way, for all the single moms in here, we got a lot of single moms and single women that are in here. This is why it's so vitally important for you to have your kids in OSC Kids and in our youth because they need to be around also other godly men that they can see that and they can speak into that. Amen? Amen. Get around that because this is something that men provide. Bedtime, I'm, I'm up there with my boys, praying with my boys, um, talking to them. My, my oldest son right now is in a, just a real transitional season of his life. He's 13. Pray for us. He's 13. So we're dealing with what it is to be a man. We're dealing with friendships. We're dealing with what's going on at school. We're dealing with his body. We're dealing with all of these emotions. We're dealing with everything that's going on in his life right now. 
And he needs his daddy. Lindsay will look at me and goes, he needs you. He needs you right now. And, and so I've got to step in and be that, um, for, especially since I have three boys. This is an area I've got to lead in parenting. Um, when she's, I come home and I can just look at her and I know one of my boys are on death row. I know it. <laughs> I know it. And so I'll, you know, I'll walk in there and go, which one you want me to beat? Just tell me, which one is it? <laughs> and, I, and sometimes she'll just look at me and she goes, they need you. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> just beat them all. Can just be. beat them all. All of them. Um, or pull him aside to go have conversations with him. Um, spiritual. Oh my God, if there's anything that drives me crazy is passive men when it comes to spiritual things. Dear God, we need some mighty men that raise up a standard when it comes to loving God. We need men who love God and love their wives well. Listen, guys, you might not be the pastor of a church, but you are the pastor of your home. And your wife shouldn't be dragging you to church. Your wife should, you should be dragging her. You should be getting the kids up going, we going. You should be leading in prayer. You should be leading in Bible devotions. You should be, um, you should, you're the spiritual. And I'm going to tell you right now, women want their man to love God more than them. Because they know if if my man loves God more than me, he's going to love me well. Mm -hmm. Amen. And ladies, listen in here. We are committed to help raise up your husbands to be all God's called them to be. We're passionate about that. And that's, uh, I, you should be excited about that, by the way. Um, we love pouring into our men to help them be all that God's called them to be spiritually. And then, of course, financially. That we do all that we can to um, provide for our families and lead in this as much as we can. All right. We're wrapping it up. Number four of a man. So number four is sex again. No, I'm just joking. It's not. <laughs> he may have coerced me to say that. No. Maybe, maybe. No. Just kidding. Number four is encouragement. They want your encouragement. Every husband wants and needs to hear, I trust you. Um, I'm committed to you. I believe in you. And um, they can hear it from other people. You know, they may hear it all day from somebody else at work. Oh, man, you're doing such a good job. Oh, you're awesome at this. But when it comes from you, it means so much more. And so many times, you ever, like, think about somebody, like, oh, they're so good at this. Oh, they, you know, they're so, but it stays here. And a lot of times we don't verbalize it. And so... Um, just get in the habit of verbalizing what, saying what you love about them, saying what you respect about them, and actually um, texting, telling um, those things because he wants to hear it from you. And um, he should know that you're his number one fan, that, you know, that you above all love him over everyone else, and um, he should hear you say it. So simple Sometimes harder to do because we just get in the go mode or life can take over, but just take that time. He wants to hear um, those words from you. So, Amen. All right, let's talk about number two, commitment. And that second commitment is we've got to be committed to change. So we need to be committed to meeting our spouse's needs, which really honestly is serving. I'm going to commit to serve and serve and serve. But this last one is I'm going to commit to change. My uh, junior year of high school, I was dating a senior girl. I, always, I like older women. Come on, Lindsay's older than me. Um, like two months. She's, she's a cougar. You know, what can I say? Um, <laughs> Big one. It's a running joke. Two months. Anyways, uh, so, uh, so yeah, so uh, this girl was a senior. She just graduated high school. I was going into my senior year, and she had one of those, like, Josh, we need to talk. And uh, we were sitting down, and, and uh, she said, you know, I'm, going to college. I'm going to be moving away. She's moving like five, six hours away. And she ended it with the, the, just the classic line of, it's not you. 
it's me. How many know when they say that, what they really mean is, it's all you. <laughs> it's really all you. Now, think about that. You know what? That's probably the greatest line we could use in marriage is, it's not you, it's me. It's not you, it's me. Uh, last night's conversation <laughs> that we had was really, honestly, it wasn't her issue. It was mine. It was mine. I was being selfish in, a, in, a, in an area that I should not have been. She had requested something, and I, I did not um, respond the way that I should have. And it wasn't her issue. It was really, it was my issue. Now, she said some things she shouldn't have said either, but um, it was me. It wasn't her. It was me. And I think the best statement that I can make in marriage is, you know what? I'm just committed to not changing you. I'm committed to changing me. We're so focused on wanting to change the other person that we overlook our own. And I've shared this, I feel like every week, but just coming to this place of spending time with God, because we do this thing. We say, I would, if you would, I would do this for you. If you would do this for me, I, if you would do this, then I would do this. And it's a cycle. And if you've ever read the book, love and respect, it's one of the best marriage books I've probably ever read. And I can recommend it for you to read it by Emerson Egridge and his wife. And they talk about the love cycle or the crazy cycle. They talk about how a woman needs love and needs security. A man needs respect and honor. And that when she doesn't feel loved, she doesn't give me respect. And when I don't feel respected, I don't give her love. And we continue this cycle for decades. So if you want to get off of the cycle, you want to get off of that crazy cycle, you've got to be committed to changing you and letting God change them. And I'm going to tell you, if you want a marriage that lasts till death do you part, you're going to have to realize that you've got to be willing to change. You know, as we were sharing these needs, you know, talking about, okay, guys, you need to give affection. You need to give communication. I can hear men, man, I'm not good at communication. Here's my advice. Change. Change. You know, whatever these needs that are in here and you want a bucket, my advice would be to change. If you want to have a better marriage, you want a better relationship, be willing to change. Be willing to say, you know what, it's not you. Yeah, you got your flaws and yeah, you got your issues, but really, it's me. I need to be committed to change. Because how I many you know marriage will bring change, whether you like it or not? You know, we all go into marriage, man, men go into marriage hoping their wife never changes. Women go into marriage hoping their husband always changes, <laughs> right? But you got to both be committed to changing. If we're going to make this thing work, if we're going to do till death do us part, I've got to be committed to stay in this no matter what. But I've got to just be committed to change my heart, allow God to change me, to have and to hold better or worse, sickness and health, till death do us part, I'm committed to changing. And how many know following Jesus is a commitment to change? How many of you glad you're not where you used to be? God's changed you. Come on, somebody. And can I tell you, the, one of the ways, the tools that he uses to change you? <laughs> I'm more of a man of God because of this woman. And of course, because of the Bible and other people. But no one has made me more of loving Jesus than this woman. And I've learned that if... I want her to love God more than me, and I want to love God more than her, because when we do that, we love each other well. Amen? Amen? And just say one more thing. Like, we all want ease. Like, we want our life to be easy, but, um, you know, like, can't think of the word. Anyway, it's, marriage is not. Marriage is hard. Marriage is work. But I could be fighting against him, or I can fight for him, you Come know, on. in a marriage. And so, like, take out the, I think it comes, like, taking out that this is easy. It is work. 
but I'm working towards something like tending a garden. It is work, but I'm getting the fruit of that. So if we work towards it and not against each other, or um, <laughs> then, so just take out that, that it's supposed to be easy. No, it's going to be a struggle, and you're going to mess up. But think about what the fruit of it is if you work together and think of sacrificing and considering yourself above the other. Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads in this place? If, if you are by your spouse, would you, would you grab their hand? And dear Heavenly Father, I pray right now, God, I, I thank you so much for, first off, the marriages that are in this room. And uh, God, I pray right now that you would strengthen them. God, we've spent these last four weeks diving into your word. God, uh, listening to what you have to say about this, we want to do this the right way. We know that a God-honoring, life-giving, till death do you part marriage, first off, requires you. We need you. We need you. God, it also requires that we love our spouse above ourselves. God, would you help us to be selfless, Less of us, more of you, more of them. God, maybe there's some, some marriages in here that they need to go home and they need, to, they need to make some things right. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help them to talk out maybe some of these needs, have honest conversations. God, to see how they can meet one another's needs. God, I pray, Lord, today for those that are single in this those maybe if they have gone through a hard divorce or maybe those that are single again or widowed. God, I speak against the lie today that they are not complete without us partner. God, I thank you that their full completion is found in you. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are satisfying all of these needs in this moment. God, I pray, Lord, that you would meet their needs. Those that are maybe single mothers in here that, that don't have a husband or maybe have kids and don't have a a father figure. God, put spiritual men and women, fathers and mothers in their lives. God, I pray, Lord, that you would provide for them. God, I pray, Lord, that you would meet all their needs. God, I pray against the, the, the lies of loneliness and despair. God, and I just pray, Lord, that you would comfort them, encourage them, strengthen them. God, may they be used in a mighty way in their season of life that they're in right now. God, we just declare today, Lord, we love you. God, thank you for your love that has been patient and kind and enduring. Thank you that you have never given up on us. God, thank you that you don't keep our records of wrong. Today, God, we commit to meet each other's needs. God, we commit to change. We need you. We need your grace. We need your help. We love you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said